we have a banger of an episode today. This is one of those interview episodes for Sick Palette Podcast. Um, and it's with a chef that's like big capital C who really sort of gets into it about advocating for yourself in the kitchen. Um, speaks, I think, to a lot of pastry chefs, which is something I can't do. Today, we have my interview with Jules Stoddart, who is an incredible chef uh, here in Austin, Texas. She's an award-winning pastry chef um, and the managing partner at Little Ola's Biscuits. She's also worked in a number of nationally recognized restaurants, um, she's been given all kinds of awards. Uh, she's just was actually recently nominated, um, for the annual culture map awards for best pastry chef. So I'm, I'm talking about somebody who's got the resume, who's got the chops, um, and has become a, a really great support, um, for me personally speaking, um, you know, we, we come at the idea of a chef from two different angles, but we've got so much in common. I was blown away by this interview because she, she really kind of spelled out, mapped out how to shoot your shot and advocate for yourself in in a lot of intimidating settings, in kitchens, in places where um, it is difficult to sometimes voice your worth. And it, it was one of those interviews where I was jotting down. I was taking, I was taking notes. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I made sure to not edit too much because really most of it we can keep in. Uh, there were a couple edits. The edits that you will find in there is when, you know, a connection was lost. Um, so, you know, remember, I am the the producer, the editor, and the host of Sick Palette Podcast. So we do our best, okay? <laughs> so, so there might be a little, like, you know, jolts in there, but... Um, it's, it is one of those interviews that I can't wait to just listen back. And when I'm needing to sort of figure out how I'm going to present a new idea to somebody, uh, if it's a brand I want to collab with, if it's a restaurant um, I want to collab with, I'm going to listen to this interview again. So a lot of knowledge, a lot of fun. Without further ado, let's talk to... Jules Stoddart, pastry chef extraordinaire, chef extraordinaire. All right, get into it. Um, this has just been a long time coming. Both, yeah. uh, I think me and you have been talking about this particular conversation, having it for, I guess, about six months now. I don't know. Yeah, pretty long time. I think so. I feel like it's officially like our one year of knowing each other. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. We're we're right at that point, you know? But I think we hit it off pretty instantly. 
you know, great we, spirits combined. <laughs> we did because I knew about you for a while before I, I knew you. about you for a while. <laughs> That's right. So our, uh, I guess our mutual friend slash uh, in all things business, um, Ben Fordham introduced us formally. Yeah. Yep. This was back when I was doing basically underground supper clubs in my house. Yep. And uh, I finally got to meet you. And uh, ever since then, I've always just tried to find different ways where I get to talk to you. If it's even just grabbing a drink, partner with you. Um, so I'm just so honored that you're here, honestly. That's so kind of you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I knew about you for years. And when I got that, Ben was like, do you want to go to the supper club? And I was like, I know exactly what supper club you're talking about. <laughs> and yes, I do. You know, I mean, we as chefs, you you hear and see things, you know, in the yes. in the industry that are going on, and you're like, I want to be a part of that, or I want to go to that. And yes. I just think I I don't even know when did you start them? Like the pandemic esque, maybe yes. before then. So um, they started as Wine Wednesday, which was something that I started in 2019, basically as just like a, a house party, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I was living in a very, very small apartment. So it would be like 25 chefs, food industry professionals, like in my house. It was nuts. Yeah, it's like a normal um, kitchen, you know, yeah, and a yeah, tiny yeah. kitchen. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's really how I got to know you. But oh. now sort of seeing uh, from meeting you in 2020, at the end of 2022, or, yep. you know, that, that sort of time, I feel yeah. like, you have just really taken over this space that you now have in Austin. You are the managing partner of Little Ola's. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that entails? Sure, yeah. So I uh, had worked with uh, maybe hospitality for a couple of years. So I started as a pastry chef, you know, at Ola May in 2019. And we all know about the pandemic time and, and what happened with that. And you know, Olame kept going and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have a great relationship with Michael Fotage and we work really well together. And so I kind of carried on, helped open Little Ola's back in 2021 in the brick and mortar spot in Wells Branch. And, you know, at that time I became culinary director and I kind of grew with the company. Um, and then in 2022, Question mark? Yes. My husband um, got accepted into A&M. And so we made a decision uh, to move out to Bryan College Station. You know, I was going to do some consulting. I started my consulting business and kind of expanded into that. And then, you know, Michael and Ben came to me with an offer to come back to Little Ola's as managing partner and carry the brand into the next, you know, 3.0, I like to say. Um, so, you know, as managing partner, you know, what a broad term. I, I feel like I had, to, I had to Google it at first because I was like, I'm, you know, in, in the world of, of restaurants and food and hospitality, you don't, you don't hear that term a lot, right? You hear partner or you hear chef or you hear executive chef or executive pastry chef or culinary director, but managing partners was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Um, you know, and it's taken a year, I feel like, to really understand a little bit of what that means. But, you know, I came into the space last January. We were at a point that um, 
you know, everybody was still kind of reeling from the pandemic and what did that mean for little Ola's? And so I came in there, did a big evaluation kind of of everything. And, and at that point just started cleaning up some of the practices that we do, um, brought a little bit more of the like elevated dining, uh, like mindset of, you know, kitchen work um, back into the space a little bit. Um, and since then I've really been managing the shop uh working with the people that in you know work in that shop and bringing in more business you know last year we increased sales in our shop which is very rare you know in a lot of a lot of yeah. places um and i you know brought some additional revenue in you know with outside catering we did f1 we did acl we had huge holiday events you know so you know as managing partner it's a lot of it's a big title for honestly, just being in the space and working hard. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it's such a, I never really think about the title. I just think about what I do every day. And we're at a point that working with the people is probably the most important thing that I do. Um, yes. And we're getting, getting to a point that hopefully we can expand here pretty soon. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> you know, as you were kind of describing exactly, you know, what you do, um, and how it sort of came to be and, mm -hmm. and what it's become, it does, it, at, at first, you know, you were, you were sort of saying, oh, this is an executive chef and right. these titles, we know exactly what these titles are. It, it does yeah. make a lot of sense to me that you are managing partner because the things that you've described have to do more than just being great in the kitchen. You already have that right. down. Absolutely. What you're doing is you're also bringing in business. And that is something I feel like when you're being trained up as back of house, yep. they don't tell you that's part no. of the job and they should. No, nobody tells you, oh, but, you should, you should know how to listen. Food cost is not glamorous no. and, you know, for, <laughs> for a lot of people. It's hard. And, and I'll fully admit it's not like my strongest suit. You know, I know how to fill out a spreadsheet like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. but it's something that it's a learned skill, right? Just like knife work, just like calling expo, like learning food costs, learning labor costs, working with people and having people skills day to day. These are learned skills that if you want to, you, you almost have to seek them out, right? I, I've worked for a lot of great chefs over the years and are worked with, I should say, and they were all great. But, you know, food costs, it's, it's daunting to teach and, you know, administrative work is, is, can be daunting. And so I think if you want to do it, you have to actively seek it out because you can, you can totally survive in this, this world without, with knowing the basics of it, you know, and I'm, I'm still not like an expert, like bless Ben Fordham. He has patience with me when I'm like, I don't understand this. And he's like, okay, let me explain it to you. So just because you've been doing it for a while doesn't mean you're not going to have questions. And I think like, that's okay. Like it's absolutely okay. Uh, I think you, you brought up something that I really want to kind of delve a little bit deeper into. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how you can sort of get by uh, if you are a food professional without knowing these mm -hmm. things. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's about getting by. I yeah. do feel, though, for someone in your position, for the amount of um, essentially social capital you have now, especially in this mm -hmm. town in Austin, yeah. 
I feel like it's becoming more and more important to understand the side of things that, like you said, are not as glamorous in order to have a job like yours. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's, it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to run a business Mm -hmm. period. Like it's, you know, I've, I've always, so I changed my career, right? So I've been doing this just like uh, 10 years and a month, you know, like just over 10 years. So before that, I was in, you know, a, a event planning and working on cruise ships and all these kinds of things, which takes a totally different skill set. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I when I came into this, I, I didn't really understand what I was like. You know, I didn't have a 10 year plan. I had barely had a year plan. I did, When I went to culinary school, I didn't even know that you could like restaurants had pastry programs. Right. Like I was just like, I know that I like to bake things and you know, I'm, I'm decent at it at my house. And so let me go to school. And like, at that time, it was like, I can either try and find a, you know, a job in a restaurant that would hire me, or I can go to school. And so I chose the school route, which everybody has their own way that works for them. It worked out really well for me doing the school route. And so, you know, when I got into it, I didn't realize like, what you can do with pastry. Mm -hmm. Then I got into pastry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't quite fully know what you could do with pastry. I think at the end of the day, like, you know, when I went to culinary school, which is the route that I took, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know that you could, you know, restaurants had pastry programs, right? I was like, oh, I could work at this, this bakery, which was fine. Or I could make cupcakes, which I was like, I don't want to make cupcakes. Or I could decorate <laughs> cakes, which, listen, I, I I can make a wonderful two layer cake that's got beautiful frosting, but it, it, cake decorating, it's like you're an artiste and I have so much respect for people who do that. Uh, it's not my wheelhouse, but you know, these were the options that I thought that I had. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize what the existence was out there. And like, frankly, like culinary school, unfortunately, doesn't always paint a realistic picture of what you can achieve. And so I'm, I'm, I started working in restaurants in Chicago at Nico Osteria and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, Oh, this is, you know, I just get to make creations all day. This is awesome. Um, and then I realized, Oh, this, like, this is a career, right? Like you can, in theory, achieve whatever you want to achieve in it. Right. You can work anywhere you want to work and, you mm-hmm. can, if you know, in Chicago, you're taught like, oh, put your head down and, you know, bust your butt all to all the time and you'll get <laughs> to that next step. And I was like, okay, I don't, you know, at 30, I was like, I don't even know what this means, but let's do it. Uh, I had a lot more energy then. Uh, not as much of that energy <laughs> now. But yeah, I was like, okay, what do, like, what am I going to do? And then I came down to Austin and I, you know, was a pastry sous chef for a South Congress hotel. And I helped open that up with the made of Rockman and it was great. And I still was like, well, I don't know what you can achieve because it's this weird thing in this world of pastry. They're absolutely hospitality, like stereotypes or stigma yes. or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Like puts a limit on what pastry chefs can achieve. Like, you can be an executive pastry chef and oversee four properties and four menus and four sets of staff and be able to have to like go between locations and adjust service levels 
to the style of dining, you know, like I've worked at a place that had, you know, three very different and distinct restaurants. And I was like, I have to think three different types of cuisine, but Mm -hmm. I was always, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, I was still just, just the pastry chef. Right. I was like, you're not, you don't know how to run this restaurant. You don't know how to do any of this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, actually, <laughs> I have to manage my food costs the most, right? Right. I'm, I'm all like when the pandemic hit, everybody's like, man, I've never been so scared to lose my job. And I was like, man, as a pastry chef, every day I went to work, I was like, today could be the day I could, <laughs> they can find me, they can find desserts are not worth it. And they're just going to order ice cream and a cake, you know, like, what is hey, restaurants the, do it. Um, what's the stereotype of pastry chefs for the people that don't know? There are people who listen to this podcast who have no idea. Yeah. You're, you're telling me like, this is what it means when you're a pastry chef. I immediately understand that connotation. Right. What does that mean to when you're in that restaurant sort of um, stereotype zone? What does that mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, and, and this is, it's definitely changing and I'm so thankful for that. But often in so, a lot of restaurants still, you know, this, the stereotype is, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but mm. the, the, I guess the archetype um, maybe. Yeah. Like that you, that you only handle four plates and you have four desserts and you, if you're lucky, you've got one person helping you. Um, mm-hmm. If you're even luckier, that person is wants to also do pastry work. Um, it's often somebody who, uh, also does the Garmo station. So yes. plays a lot of the cold apps. Right. So, you know, there's, it depends on the type of restaurant and it's also like, it depends on their budget. Some places they, they just can't justify uh, a pastry chef or a pastry lead or whatever. And that's fine. But the ones that can, and the ones that do elevated dining should absolutely have a pastry chef and, and utilize that pastry chef. Right. Like, right. They, they have the ability, you know, to, where pastry chefs are thinking three to four days in advance, m- most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to make cake. <laughs> yeah. I have to make that cake today in order to freeze or, you know, set up so I can, I can uh, fill it and build it. And then I got to let it set up another, however many hours to overnight to then be able to cut it nicely. Like, you know, we're thinking our biscuits, for example, little Ola's, it's a three day process, right? Like we, you know, make, we call them our kits. We make our kits one day, Mm -hmm. then we make the biscuits the next day. And then we all know with biscuits, it's not an unknown, like the magical secret is like cold ingredients. So obviously we (laughs) need to let our biscuits get cold. And so like, it's a process. And most pastry chefs think that way, not all, most think that way. And so, you know, they they are able to handle a lot more and 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 think a lot more than I think people give them credit for, and I think you know for places that want to say they provide a full dining experience, I think it's important to have a chef who can help tell that story, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I say like a place like you know any established like elevated dining establishment anywhere in the country they're going to tell a story. Right. And I say dining out and I've, I've told the story a million times. And if anybody's heard me speak that they'll probably be like, okay, here you go, Jules, tell your story again. But it's so true. Like 
dining out is like reading a book or watching a movie, right? Yes. It's an experience. When you go out, you're going to start with your, you know, your host uh, uh, that's you're walking into is your preface, right? It tells the story, even making the reservation that starts the story going for you. And then you get there and you have, you know, like your introduction, like your author makes their introduction. And then your first chapter is you're getting your cocktail or your water or whatever, whatever beverage you choose. Then you're going to go into the story and like you're going to have that full movie, that full book. Listen, like unless it's a shitty movie or story, <laughs> like you still got to finish it. But you still need to finish that experience. And so eating desserts, whether I don't care if it's like a scoop of ice cream or it's, you know, a piece of candy, like finish mm-hmm. the story, like let that sweet note finish you off. And I think like that's the biggest part that is missing in how we look at dining. And yes, it's an unfortunate thing because, and it's also like unfortunate because it kind of is my style of how I, I approach desserts is like, I want a guest to come in and say, what like Kentucky butter cake, like I can make that at home. I don't, I don't need to get that here. And then they get it and they're like, oh shit. Nope, I, I can't make that at home, you know? <laughs> That's like, that's what I want, right? It, it's the same thing with, listen, it, if you want to, we learned, right? We learned in the pandemic. Some people learn they really cannot cook. And other yeah. people go like, you know what? I can do it. But that's not the point of eating out at like full service restaurants, right? The point of eating out at full service restaurants is that you're one, either having the experience with the people that you chose to have, you know, this dining experience with or you are dining out because you want somebody to make great food for you. Like it's not because you can't. And yes, in theory, everyone can cook, right? In theory, theory. but in reality, like, you know, I love my mom and she fed us very well growing up, but like, she doesn't like salt. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, cool, great. So it's, it's hard because like, I feel like totally went on a tangent there as I usually do, but we love a tangent here. (laughs) I think like it's, it's really hard. I I've, I've been through a lot of experiences as a pastry chef. Uh, You know, most people we talk about the patriarch and, and, and hospitality world. And, you know, for me, it wasn't so much that I was a woman in the kitchen uh, because Mm. still people are like, Oh, uh, it's baking. It should be a woman should be doing it. It's a weird, whatever. But it's a weird connotation, but yeah, it's 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 a weird thing because all of the, you know, according to, uh, you know, the French only men can be pastry chefs. So it's like, you know, (laughs) this is weird. It's a weird dichotomy. But anyway, um, I, I think over time I haven't necessarily gotten pushed back as a woman in the kitchen. I've gotten, um, pushed back because I'm a pastry chef, you know? But I have to be, I have to say out loud, like, I'm extraordinarily, like, I was such a, in such a great environment with working yeah. with the hospitality that not only did I get a seat at the table, but I get a voice at the table. And I think that's extraordinarily important when you're talking about equity moving into, you know, these spaces of, of hospitality and, and how we're changing and moving forward. You know, I... I think now as a managing partner, sometimes when I'm 
sometimes people don't take me seriously now when I tell them I'm a managing partner, but completely like almost outside of the hospitality world. I get a lot of, Oh, okay. That's interesting. I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means. What does that even mean? So I, it's been a very interesting learning um, experience for me over this past year. And yeah, I, I'm not sure if, um, I'm not sure if I did it right, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you've done a few things right for other pastry chefs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, especially for this episode, really resonate for them. Yeah. What advice would you give them on, on how to navigate from quote unquote, just being um, what a lot of restaurants incorrectly assume as, as sort of the, the last piece of the puzzle, the sort of, right. you know, how do, how do they make that jump and how do they advocate for themselves in the kitchen? Yeah, I think, I mean, first and foremost, yeah, find, find a group that you align with, right? Aligning yes. with whoever you work for, work, I, I got to stop saying work for, work with is really important. You know, like I said, I've worked for a handful of different people, even prior to kitchens, right? Like I, I'm talking, it's almost like in any industry. But like find find an organization that you align with. That's first and foremost. And then when there's an opportunity, yeah, absolutely take it. Like it's a hard thing. I I think that how I got to this spot 100% was the relationship I carried with my team, my executive team, mm. um, specifically Michael Fotage. I really made it known to him where I wanted to go. Right. And I think we oftentimes kind of like listen to these um, limitations that we have. And I absolutely did. A hundred percent. I was like, I'm not going to achieve anything more than where I'm at. I don't know how to get there. And what I did is I made it known to the people, you know, that were at that time making more decisions than I was. And I was saying, hey, I want to learn this or I want to take on this responsibility. And I took on those responsibilities and then I asked for the financial compensation. And I think, did I always get it? No, but it was in their head and it was in my head. So I was able to consistently revisit it, right? So I was like, hey, I'm gonna take on doing this, this, and this. This is the compensation that I need to match whatever you're paying, you know, and if your sous chef. And sometimes it's like, hey, that's not within our budget. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it for this amount of time. And then we're going to revisit it, you know? And like. God, that's clever. That is. Yeah. And that, I, have I think is the hardest thing for anyone in the kitchen to sort of make that, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. make that maneuver happen. But that revisiting, I'm going to show you. Right. It's an investment on your part. Right. And some people are going to say, oh, well, I'm not going to do the work without getting paid. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. Again, that goes back to that first step of finding an alignment. If you absolutely go, you know what, the, this company or this person or the person that makes the decisions is never going to see what, I, what I'm bringing to the table and what right. I'm able to offer in this environment, then unfortunately, I hate to say it, I don't know if they ever will, right? And And that's okay. Like, it's, it's really hard for people to, you know, a change is hard and it's hard for people to walk away from things and 
you know, I'm only saying this because I have struggled over the years and it has been hard and it has been something that I was like, did I make that right decision? And I probably didn't a lot of the time, to be honest. But I don't know, here we are. And I, <laughs> I've magically done it. It's hard to put into words. I mean, like, that's such a such a heavy question. And I think that right. there, to be honest, there's there's no blanket, like, one answer, right? It's not like two plus two equals four, right? Like, it, there it, has does, it does take a little bit of luck is what I'm hearing. But mm -hmm. I would say, at least talking to you in this moment, I, I think you're actually doing a few things here that I find to be incredibly strategic. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, I'm learning things right now. I'm like, oh, gosh, I should do that. Um, <laughs> which which is awesome. I love when when I get a little bit of schooling. Yeah. There. But the fact is, is number one, making sure, like you said, if you're if you're in a place where you can land a sentence and it's not detrimental, that's huge. Right. Right. It's, it's not about the yes and no. It's just being able to say it mm -hmm. and then being able to say it as many times and in the in the best times and, and sort of reading the room. Absolutely. And understanding that one day that room is going to turn around and say, you know what, let's do it because she's done this for six months. She's given yeah. us the proof. Yeah. So it, it's not saying work for free or work, work to the bone um, in places that don't reward you. If you see right. the investment or you see the opportunity, you see the potential in a place, it's a restaurant's going to find potential in you, but you should also find potential in that restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's I love that. such a two way street. And I think yeah. every situation is different and listen, I'll put it out. I'm taking my Instagram social media break, you know, for a couple more weeks, but yeah. you can always email me. And like I tell people like, Every situation is going to be different. You, and listen, I there. You can probably ask Michael. I cried in some of the meetings that we had because I was like, "This is hard." And I think finding yeah. somebody who, and he also, you know, I'm thankful he always gave me the space to be able to do that. He was like, "Yes, like here's your space, and let's figure out how we can find a solution." And I think, like again, it goes to that alignment. And I'm very thankful for every single chef that I've worked with in my career, I'm so grateful to be able to have that voice. And, um, you know, when, when my voice wasn't being heard anymore, or I felt it wasn't being heard anymore, you know, I took the next step and I, I walked away from whatever situation that I had, but like, mm -hmm. it seems it's such a huge testament to about finding alignment. And I, and I told this to Michael and Ben when I came back and I was like, it's very rare, that people, I say, when I moved to Bryan College Station, I, I told Michael, I was like, this is the hardest breakup I've ever had because I enjoyed working for that company and I felt such an right. alignment with that company that it speaks leaps and bounds that, yeah, whatever, eight months later, they were like, hey, let's make this work, you know? And so I think like that's a huge thing is if you find the right company in place, then you can grow with them and you can grow your, you as a human being and a chef in this industry, as well as a company, you know, like it, there's a lot of companies now too, that are hospitality groups that are working in partner, you know, partnerships and equity and different things like that. And I think, you know, hopefully restaurants can continue to do that. Not all of them can though. Like they're, it's 
it's not like restaurants. I mean, most restaurants, it's not like they're making millions, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> most, <laughs> most independent restaurants, you know, are, they're making it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is like, they're making it and it's a struggle every day. So sometimes there isn't that ability to yeah. get compensated more, you know, but there's ways to have conversations around it. And I think it's a hard, like, I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Um, you know, and it's never easy, but I think what I would do is what I would say is I encourage everyone to write things down. And then, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm an open book for the most part. Um, so you can always reach out to me and I'll, 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 I'll listen and let you practice. Uh, what you want to say. And then I'll be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like you need to do a master class. Listen, let's, let's find a way for you to commodify <laughs> this <laughs> Oh my and, gosh. and say you get an hour with Jules. You get an hour with Jules. And we'll call it, we'll have a little coffee talk and yeah, have a little, you a know, little coffee talk, a little, <laughs> let, let me spruce this up for you. Let me spruce up your ask. I love um, it. I, I bet you anything. You'll have a line out the door. Let's do um, it. Let's do it. You were talking about taking a social media break. We've, we, both me and you have talked about basically social media and what yeah. it means uh, to be a chef in the social media era where yeah. I, I am a very different kind of chef than you are, but we both, uh -huh. uh, we both come from, you know, just working your way up in the industry and then sort of figuring out how to do it. You were able to sort of understand how to move throughout restaurants, I yep. do most of my work through social media. Yeah. Why was it important for you to take the social media break? And what is food media doing for chefs right now? Oh, man, I love that we're going to talk about this. And I hate that we're going to talk about this all at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I, I read the question. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I think like, it's hard. I, I took the social media break for a multitude of reasons. I mean, listen, I'm like three weeks in, maybe, maybe two weeks, but I feel great. Um, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. I'm serious. It's, it's hard. I mean, we live in as chefs a lot. Well, not as I should say a lot of chefs, you know, have to have whatever personality that aligns with the storytelling that they need to share because that's what food media wants to sell right um yes. i think i have a hard time there's a lot of people out there that that are writers that are reviewing people and i think they call it first the words have meaning and you can't call yourself a food critic because that's immediately a negative not like connotation so yeah i like to call them food reviewers and it's and not even as a as a chef, but like as a human being to sit there and know that you're literally getting judged every single day. It's it it does a number on you. And yeah. I think I realized this a lot more, you know, like I said, my husband Christian, who man, he's so rad and he's so awesome and he's doing so well in school and I, I, in a way, am like somewhat jealous uh, 
and have so much respect for what he's doing because he was in the food world as well. And he made a huge decision to get out of it. Um, want to kind of carry our life into the next stage. Um, but what it's helped me see is that everybody works so incredibly hard. Whatever career, whatever passion you have, most people that are finding success in it are working incredibly hard. Yes. You know, like he got early acceptance into AM. He got accepted to an internship. He just got a fellowship with Samsung. Like he's doing so much great stuff. And nobody out there would know. Nobody out there would know unless I posted on social media, right? <laughs> Cause he doesn't. And so, yeah. but then it made me think, I was like, does that make him any less successful or any less impressive because nobody's writing about it? And I was like, mm. you know what? No. Like, so it was, it's a really hard thing for me. I'm getting into this point that like, you know, I've been doing this a little while. I've worked for a lot of great people. I surround myself with great people that I'm like, okay, it's, do I want awards? Of course, like, <laughs> I think that's a great, you know, outward validation for what we're doing. Right. But it was hard because I was, I was on, I was on Instagram every day, not so much in a playful manner anymore, but I was sitting there and I was comparing to my, myself to so many chefs out there and people and food media across the board that were getting tons of media attention and it was hard because I was like well I'm doing the same thing right like mm -hmm. I've done x y and z I work with the community on x y and z like I do all of these things but I'm for whatever reason I'm not the story and that's okay right they pick and choose who they want to talk about but what I was finding is for myself is like you know last year I got I got told I was too old and too accomplished for an award. Oh and I think God. that, yeah, that was like the point for me where I was like, okay, let me do a, an evaluation on, on what I'm finding my value in. Right. And I took a step back and I slowly started taking the step back. And then when I made the decision to get off of Instagram for a little bit, it was purely for me to be like, okay, center back to what you need to focus on, which is, the people that are within the four walls of little Ola's and myself as a, as a partner and myself as a pastry chef and myself as, you know, a wife, like I traveled back and forth between Bryan college station and in Austin. And so there are things that I have to do in my personal life that have nothing to do with work. And right. I think like I was letting so much of what I was seeing on media standpoint to kind of dictate what I was doing. And listen, I think that there's a lot of great things that are involved in food media. There's a lot of great things that storytelling that can be happening. And, you know, I, I want to keep doing podcasts and I want to keep telling the story to people. Um, so I don't think it's a necessarily a negative. Um, I think it's just something I realized, like, let me take this in moderation. Um, and that's kind of what I did and it feels really nice. <laughs> I, I think that's so healthy, yeah. especially because I think there are different kinds of creators. I think the problem right now is 
we're telling every single creator in order to be successful, you have to have social media. I am yeah. one of those. I'm definitely guilty of that. But that is, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if I would feel that same way if I was working, you know, in a, in a restaurant or, yeah. or having um, sort of made made my idea of what I'm going to be in the next, you know, three to four years or with yeah. an amazing company. Um, yeah. There's also people that, that doing Instagram and TikTok and X is what it's called now. And whatever other social media platforms there are, that is, that is a full-time job. And I don't, I don't think people realize that like, it is, it's also just, I still do the Instagram for little Ola's. That's why I feel like it's so sparse sometimes is because it's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work to take the right pictures. It's a lot of work to get the right content, like, and use, it's, it's forever changing. It's like, you got to use the right words. I don't think you use hashtags anymore other than mine. If we want to really get into my unique hashtag of like Dolly Parton would love this. Right. Dolly, if you're listening, listen, I will make biscuits with you any day. <laughs> I feel like it's happening for your future, but that is what is so um, interesting. I want to go back to a, a food media or, or just somebody, the powers that be, let's just call it that yeah. powers that be telling someone the reason for them not getting a certain award is mm -hmm. you are too much of a veteran mm -hmm. and you're too accomplished. Yeah. How, <laughs> um, can, can you give me a little bit more context? Cause that, that's got me spinning here. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I don't without know how getting to without no, no, no need to get specifics. I, I hear yeah. you. But yeah, I think um, it's it's also I think this is this is probably unique to me in a situation of like I am a pastry chef and I'm a managing partner and I think sometimes people don't quite know what to do with that right because with little Ola's you know we are we have a pretty standard straightforward menu for the most part and then i've been working a lot on like kind of you know we just did king cakes um for mardi gras and we did uh queso for super bowl and so like we do our biscuit club which is every month um and and so i i do like a side and a, a different a savory side and a, a pastry side it's usually like some amount of cake mm -hmm. of some sort so I do this and I'm still baking and doing pastries, but I'm also like heavily focused on, um, you know, employee development within little Ola's yeah. um, and finding business and expansion and these kinds of things. So it's like, am I also like, am I slash a restaurant tour? Cause that's not the right word, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. what? So I, I think with this specific thing, it was like, they didn't quite know where to like categorize me. And so like, this is the words that they chose to use to be like, you didn't win the award when it could have just been like, Hey, like, I, you don't even have to call me. I could just see who, who got it. <laughs> so don't call me, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think 
it's discouraging um, in some ways, um, because in a way that was the last chance I could could have gotten that specific one. Um, but I think when you're looking at how people are writing um, and the stories they're choosing to tell, I think you get, unfortunately, you still get a lot of the same people. And I think I'm hopeful that food media is changing, right? I, I mean, I think that you might know a little bit more about this, but I went to a, I went to a session the other day, basically called like, it was uh, through La Dames in, in mm -hmm. Austin and it was called Go Pitch Yourself. And I went to mainly to support my amazing friend, Lin Lindsay Leroy, cause she's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I'm gonna listen to her talk about PR. Um, cause yeah. we're good friends, but nobody, I, we don't ever talk about that. <laughs> and um, it was like, it was in a weird, weird way, so enlightening to see how like PR, food media, social media, yeah. um, this audio media, like podcasts and things like that are changing, right? And and so I think in a way I'm behind the eight ball on like knowing how food media is changing. Um, and so I think for me, it's like going to that that session to learn more about okay, how are the right ways to get the stories out there? And mm -hmm. how are the right ways to pitch yourself for a podcast or a whatever, um, where you can have, like my story can be told, right? Or or the things that I wanna talk about can be right. told. I think that's a hard thing is a lot of times when you're partnering with a writer or a writer just decides to write a story about your establishment or your career, it's still them putting their own yeah been on the story and I think um I had somebody reach out to me this week about like, doing an interview and I was like yeah absolutely and they were like you write your story and then we'll talk about it and I was like okay cool um but like for example I did a piece in plate magazine um yeah. uh, for the December issue their print issue which um, I shared it with my team at Little Ola's and because the biscuits were on the cover and I got, like, I just told them like, I was like, this is a big deal for y'all. Like, I know it's hard to like think about it that way, but yeah, you guys like your hard work is on the cover of this magazine. <laughs> That's huge. And like a crazy thing. I wrote <laughs> a piece about the cost of the biscuit, which you, if you had asked me two years ago, I'd been like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I learned a lot and now I know what I'm talking about sometimes. So I was able to tell the story and plate magazine does that really well, right? They're, they're chef focused, they're industry focused. And so they really do have this ability to let the chefs tell the story, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, but I also like, I have to be honest with every single person is like, I had somebody edit that article. <laughs> like, I was like, here's my story, here's my voice. And they took it to the next level. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> so there are there are a lot of great food writers out there. And there's a lot of great people telling the stories. And you know, I think Substack now is really the way of like changing the approach to it, you know? But I'm always gonna get slightly hurt if somebody's like, Oh, this king cake wasn't really that good. Or it wasn't it wasn't a real king cake. I was like, well, oh well, okay. that's that's the problem. Everyone has an opinion and most most people's opinions are wrong. Just so yeah. everyone knows, it's usually the chef that's right. 
y'all yeah. are wrong. I'm sorry. That's just, that's, that's how that cookie crumbles. Yeah. I'll, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> what I think is not changing. And I think this is where the rubber is meeting the road in, mm-hmm. in the wrongest of ways mm-hmm. is yes. Food media is changing. There's also a, a lot of issues there. They're letting go of a lot of their creative talent in yes. order to make algorithms the most important thing. And that's yes. simply not the right way to go. The yeah. other thing is, yes, chefs are changing. The way we want to tell our stories uh, yeah. definitely are changing. The thing that is not changing, and I think this is the issue, mm. the people that get to give the awards do not seem to understand that the world is different. Um. I think that's the issue here. When we're talking about the James Beards and the Michelins and the mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. else, you know, um, uh, let me let me let me stop naming people here. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, they they're still thinking about things as there's the best chef, there's the right. best restaurant. Right. That's it. This is how we're going to be able to sort of explain the industry. That's why people have awards. The reason why you have uh, yep. awards are to explain to the rest of the population, yeah, this is the quality of this place. Yeah, if you're yeah. not able to keep up with how the industry is moving, yeah, and yet you're the people giving the awards, then you're not yeah. really telling the story anymore. Yeah, which it's hard because, like, to to say, oh, you're you're best pastry chef right. slash baker. Well, first pastry chefs and bakers are absolutely two different, different. things. Um, different. It's like, okay. Um, it's like chemical engineers. Everything's an engineer reference, by the way. Now it's like, you're a chemical <laughs> engineer and you're a mechanical engineer. They're two very different things. Um, thanks Christian. You taught me so much. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think like that's, that's the hard thing. And also, Here's here's the true point at the end of the day. And this is what for me living um, in Bryan has really continued to open my eyes on. So I make the drive oftentimes way too much uh, between Austin and Bryan. Yeah. So I live in both places. They're two very vastly different living experiences. Both of them great in their own way. I when I'm here in Bryan, there's this place, it's called the Wild Garlic Pizza, and Tanner is, listen, this is the best pizza, fuck, man, it's so good, I, that's all I can say, it's just so you good. You said, you had me at Wild Garlic, I was like, when are we going? Yeah, he does it, so he pops up, he's got like a big, like a mobile, big mobile pizza oven, he does a lot of fraternity parties, which is awesome, I'm like, you do it, yeah. Tanner. Yeah. Uh, I was like, thanks, Anna. Um, so, he, but he pops up at this like brewery that's here uh, in Bryan. Um, and it's just like, he does weekly specials, but he also has like his staple pepperoni, right? It's so good. It's, I'm so happy every time I eat this pizza, I crave it when I'm not here. Like, this is a great thing. Tanner's doing awesome stuff. He's a great human being as well. Like in the food world, yeah, somebody should be writing about him. He should have gotten the best pizza mm-hmm. in Texas award or whatever you want to call it. But he hasn't. Does that make the, his food and the experience that I have there any less valuable? Absolutely not. I love it. He should be getting all of it. But 
Will he? Probably not. The problem is it, it, the awards change someone's economics. And I think that's, that's, and that's that's really the biggest thing. It's like, if Mm -hmm. he, let's use this specific thing, this pizza person or whatever in this small town got smaller because Brian College Station that fluctuates depending on the time of the year and how, what football games in town. So if this person got on some national recognition in Brian College Station, where there's an active influx in people that are coming for X, Y, and Z throughout the year. He is now going to be on the list of like when you, whatever, put in best pizza in Brian. He's going to be the first person on that list. That changes his actual business that's coming into the shop. Now, in a larger, uh, you know, demographic city, whatever, you being on a list, you could be like, still like the sixth person on the list and people are still going to Google best pizza and whatever, you know, yeah. and, also, and th- then they have a choice, right. Where I think like that it does, it has a drastic, any kind of media is going to have a drastic effect on your, on the people actually coming into your establishment. The thing that's going to carry yeah. past that media point, which is what I'm working really hard at is that there's every time when, you know, when little Ola starts getting on whatever list and whatever awards and recognition that it's, I hope that we get one day, when they come to whatever little Ola's they want, because at some point there's going to be multiple, mm-hmm. I want them to have the best experience every time that they come. And I think that is the thing that people forget is that, yes, once all of this the media is done or the stories are done, right? When you open up a new restaurant, you're media, media, media. Yeah. Right. The thing is, it's like, how do we consistently make sure that, you know, at this point, little Ola's is going into it's, you know, whatever third year being at this brick and mortar spot, we're still Mm -hmm. consistently getting new guests in that space consistently. So mm-hmm. for us, it's like, how do we continue to maintain a positive trajectory, like financially? Yeah. So therefore, I can make sure that our team is taken care of, that our team continues to have a positive work environment, and that they're financially compensated. For me, it's like, yes, the media is important to like the root end of things, because for me, the even if I don't get any awards, even if that doesn't play an effect in what I do for the rest of my career, if I can walk into any restaurant that I'm a part of and the team in there can be happy at their job, be efficient at what they're doing and truly enjoy coming to work every day, then I've succeeded. And, and at the end of the day, for me, like, I want to say, Oh, I'm hurt that I I may not have gotten this or I may not have gotten this recognition or nobody's telling this story at the end of the day, it, that really, that is not the things that like keep me up at night. It's not, it's, the, drive. It's, it's not the drive. And I want to yeah. make sure that the team that, that we work day in and day out with that produce this amazing product gets, gets what they deserve. Right. Like yeah, that they get more business in the door because it helps uh, you know, their, whatever their career goals are, you know, and, and I have, <laughs> I've got a great team at Little Ola's, like, I've, 
my team is mostly mostly Spanish speaking and um, they are incredibly patient because I don't speak a lot of Spanish, very minimal Spanish. Um, but there is such a mutual respect there for the work that they uh, do and the work that I do that I couldn't be happier in any other place. I think we lead a team. Um, I try and lead my team with passion and empathy and know that they exist in this space and that, that it matters. Right. And that, yeah, whatever we can do to help propel them in their lives is, um, a, you know, the alignment that we want, right. If, if you're aligning and taking care of your team, then they a hundred percent are going to be there when you need them. And I firmly believe that. Like we just had a huge kitchen meeting and we talked, we talked about the year ahead and I was like, y'all it's coming. And they're like, let's go. <laughs> you know? So like, <laughs> it's such a, you know, it's a such, such an important thing for me is that at the end of the day, in every drive that I make between Brian and call in Austin, I'm like, I think about this. I think about every restaurant that I pass on that drive. And I'm like, you know, are they t treating their team? Well, are the people that are in there happy? <laughs> like, yeah. are the guests happy? You know, like, I don't think about like, Oh, did somebody write a story about them? I don't, I don't think about that. I think about like, what is, what are they doing to make people's lives better? So that's what I try and focus on. And I think taking a step back from a lot of the, the pressures, right. That, that the hospitality food media yeah. society world has taught you to be like, you are only value valued. If you have X, Y, and Z written about you. Um, I've tried to kind of pull, pull that aside and focus on what, what really like drives me every day. And listen, I'm not saying, look, if somebody wants to write a story about me or what we do, that <laughs> little old is like, yeah, please do. Like, I'm not like anti, no, like don't you, tell you a story. Have, like, such a, I think you have such a good, I, I think it's good to be Zen about it. Yeah. Understanding the importance of what media plays to uh, creators, yeah. to chefs. Absolutely. But yeah. having the sort of um, peace of knowing what you're doing day in and day out, is the most important, right? It, it does get that does get lost in the shuffle, especially yeah. when you start to play the the game of PR. Um, it's an important piece, but it is yeah. it is not the piece that should drive the person cooking. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So, saying speaking <laughs> of all of that, when you think about all of that, when you're thinking about your inner piece, where do you <laughs> find yourself in in the next four to five years? That's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> easy question. I think. easy question. I was like, am I in a, a review right now? Am I, is Michael secretly sitting next to you? Um, <laughs> yes. No. He's right here. He's right here. He's intently. like, <laughs> um, you know, I believe in little Ola's and I believe in our product. I think that we have a, we have great food and I believe in the people that are in that space working so hard day in and day out. I think it's hard for me to think five years down. I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. Um, I think there's a lot of things, you know, I, I talk about Christian a lot and, you know, he graduates next spring. 
So I think that has a lot of impact on, on where we'll be um, and what we're going to be doing. And so it's really hard to tell. I'm planning to be with little Ola's as long as I can be with little Ola's. And I think um, that's what's on the horizon. And, and for me, I want to continue to talk about what we do at little Ola's. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, I, I like to talk about what we do to lead the team. And I think those, those are the stories and those are the things that I hope to continue to share in the next five years. I never want what we do from a, uh, uh, people, employee, uh, managers, whatever. I don't want us to be so unique in that, that we are the Mm -hmm. only ones doing it. I think for a long time, these restaurants that were would quote them, you know, would would talk a lot about what they do and how they're so unique and how they treat their team and those kind of things. A lot of times they were gatekeepers of that information, right? Yeah. They were on this pedestal of like, we do this really well for our team. What I'm hopeful for for not only our team at Little Ola's, but like for people and hospitality groups in general that are doing the right. There's so many that really are doing the right thing out there. Um, that that we as a collective group can get on larger platforms to talk about how to make fundamental changes in the hospitality industry. That I love. There are so many people that truly are doing it right. And it's, and it's a hard struggle, but the more people that align with these values of paying people, uh, you know, fairly treating people equity, like with equity, like, all of these things will lead to the industry being better as a whole. And I think there are a lot of people that are scared to make that challenge, that, that change because they don't have the information and yes. they don't know how to do it because I think we highlight a lot of the horror stories. Mm-hmm. I love this approach where it's like, well, can we highlight who's doing it well and how they're doing it? So that yeah. way everyone learns. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's people, you know, there's a huge, there's a huge movement in Austin, right? They're doing a, like Loka is doing great work and they're extremely vocal and, you know, Adam and Fiore are doing phenomenal jobs. GWA does a great job of like really starting to like, you know, push that needle past. And I think they do it really well. There's places like Biscuit Love that do it really well. Like there's a lot of places that are doing phenomenal work. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can keep giving these platforms to people um, and that they can share that information. So the people that want to do it, one, can have a baseline information and then two, have a like a resource that they can go to and say, hey, we really want to change this. Like, what are the challenges that you've had? Like, how am I going to approach this with the team that's been used to doing it X, Y, and Z for so long? Like, change is hard. And I just had, I just hired a new store manager. She's phenomenal. Oh my God. She gave me a huge hug the other day and I like nearly cried. She was like, <laughs> she's so, she's really great. She like really already cares about the team like two weeks in. And she, what, she was telling me is like, okay, we're doing this right. And there's a lot of things that I'm slowly like, Hey, let's change this. Let's do this. And she was like, let's do it all at once. And I said, 
let's take baby steps because <laughs> change is hard and yeah. change is scary. And I think what people often think of like, oh, you're changing things. Well, it's because I'm not doing my job right. And I'm not saying that anybody's not doing their job right. I'm just saying, let's do it better, right? Let's let's think about it and let's do it better. It, you know, McDonald's and the efficiency that they in quote unquote invented when they first opened, everybody mm. was doing a fine job before, but they right. were like, let's do it better. And so I think yeah. like, that's the mentality that we should go into is that like, don't be a gatekeeper of information. I, for the next five years, I don't want to be a gatekeeper of any information. And how do we continue to share that? And I'm hopeful in five years that we're in a different place. Right. And that, you know, people, it's going to be always hard to kind of talk about this as like the general society outside of, you know, the hospitality world. It's like, even now with like, the bear, right? Most yeah. people are like, oh my God, this is the greatest show. I've watched a couple like uh, episodes from season one and everybody tells me season two is better. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm thankful that like it's exposed to the mass, you know, this like what, yeah. what it can potentially be like in a lot of environments. But I don't know if it's necessarily like going to change anybody's mind, like the general public's mindset about it, you know, like, Maybe. And it, I, I think it's also like, I, I don't think people understand that there are certain things in the bear that, that get people in the industry. Oh, like, so triggered. Triggered. <laughs> Very it just, triggered. It was just so loud in the beginning and chaotic. And like, yeah, I a thing that people don't maybe necessarily know about me is that like cooking for me is, um, I don't want, it's extremely challenging in ways. Um, I have to really focus mm-hmm. when I'm cooking. Um, I think like, especially with pastry, I'm like, if I forget one thing, you know, like it doesn't come out, right. Can't forget my baking soda or whatever. Um, yeah. but like it, it is, it's challenging. And, and I tend to be, um, I get very focused and very Zen when I'm cooking. And yeah. I think that when I, when I watch those that it's very chaotic, I'm like, ah, I can't do that. It's maybe why I'll never try and be on top chef. Cause I'm like, ah, <laughs> I can't do it. Mad respect for everyone that does that, you know, like, way well, to go. I, think <laughs> I would love to see a pastry chef's story. I think the problem is all media. I relate to it so hard because I'm a, I'm a line cook. Yeah. And so when when I see all of that stuff, it's like, oh yeah, everything is chaotic, everything is wrong. Yeah, you're like, um, I'm in my zone. <laughs> you're like, oh, uh, you're not following the recipe anymore. You're you're just trying to make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that in pastry. That's why I'm not a great pastry person no, at all. No, I remember the so for when we did our like our uh, little uh, pop up dinner for your dinner club. Yes. Uh, I did this right orange Tabasco shaved ice. Yes, I did it like a couple brilliant. times because I was like, I got to get my water perfect. So it's not like mushy, but then it's not like just ice crystals. Right. So like I had to do it like four or five times to get the right consistency, you know? So it's like, yeah, my approach on things maybe are just a little bit different. I can't necessarily like tweak it in the moment. And so 
I, th I guess in knowing that, that's kind of how I approach. No, no, can I think on my feet? Absolutely. I feel of like you can. I'm, you know, the only constant in life is, you know, change. So I think that I've, I deal with change really well and I can adapt pretty quickly. But I think like these are the things that we should talk about moving forward, right? Like how, how is a pastry chef? And also I want to continue I, to go back to your, like, yeah, your five-year question. Like, I also want to advocate for pastry chefs to keep pushing what yeah. their stereotypical, like, like pathway is, right? Mm -hmm. I firmly believe <laughs> people are going to like, maybe this is going to be the thing that brings me down. But <laughs> I firmly believe that a pastry chef can also be an, can be an executive chef of a restaurant, a classically trained yeah. or, or a, a pastry chef that's come up in the industry can absolutely be an executive chef of a restaurant. You, t you, for the most part, trust a, a savory trained chef to right. taste and comment and help align your pastry menu. Yeah, um, true. I I see that there is value if you if you are a restaurant owner chef. I encourage you to look at your pastry chefs and say, you know what, they could run this establishment, right? I could mm -hmm. teach them how to expo. Well, honestly, a lot of pastry chefs I know have expoed <laughs> in the past. Right. Um, you know, I absolutely can teach them you know, I don't know all the things that I, I like, I'm stumped now of all the things that a chef does because I feel like I do them a lot with little Ola's, but yeah, yeah. all the things of like, yes, tasting your food, training your team, like you can teach them skill sets to help carry that program forward. And I, even if, if you're like, okay, maybe at this point I, I want to find a executive sous chef or I want to find a sous chef. I encourage you to look at your pastry stuff and see like, how can I keep this person who is providing added value to my menu? Yeah. How can I incorporate that into what the, this restaurant needs? And a lot of the times you'll see them, you'll see them easily step into that position because it's, it's something that they want, right? Like, or maybe they don't want, so I don't know what to say to the people who don't, but if you want to go down that Avenue and you want to find a way to learn more and to, you know, maybe be a managing partner of a cafe or a restaurant or whatever, bakery, whatever you want yeah. to do. Like, I encourage you to look at different ways to get there. And I think that's for me is like when I decided I wanted to be a culinary director for maybe I was like, OK, what do I need to learn? Right. And mm -hmm. I learned the ins and outs of the savory menu. I learned at that time we were with the little Ola's. And so I like whatever I did expo and. Sunday mornings or whatever so like which was always busy for us like it was what do we need to do in order to make that change and I think I'm absolutely living proof that pastry chefs you know have an ability to move into different kinds of positions and managing partner is definitely one or an executive chef or you know your culinary director whatever you want to call that position within your company I think it's it's something that I'm hopeful that I can keep um, advocating for. So I think pastry chefs can transcend. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that is absolutely true. I mean, it's like uh, when you see um, 
when you see in just different creative fields, mm-hmm. you find the most surprising uh, moments and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad move. It actually means right. like it's, it's actually one of the best moves. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, having the drummer as your band leader, or right. there's just so many different ways to sort of make a metaphorical ship run. Right. And it, it should go to the best person for the job. And I know a lot more stable pastry chefs than I know a lot more stable line cooks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there is that. I love that. Yeah. And there's, um, there's so many in Austin, like Austin's a great example yeah. of there's pastry chefs that have transited, transcended, I can't say that word, um, into different, um, like different kinds of uh, titles, right? Like, there are yeah. pastry chefs that are culinary directors in Austin. There are pastry chefs that are running multiple outlets. Like they, right. they exist. They're already doing that. So I, I'm hopeful to see more of it moving forward. You know, manage finding management is hard right now. I'll be very honest. Like it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. Perfect to, opportunity yeah. for an ambitious, brilliant pastry chef out there. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Uh, to make some moves. <laughs> I, Thank you so much for doing this, Jules. Yeah. You even went above and beyond as usual. Everything you do, you're, you're always giving it 150%. You're so um, good. You're so kind to me. <laughs> well, it's true. It's why I was like, uh, one way or another, we got to get Jules on the pod. Um, I love it. Like I said, I, I, I learned five different things. I'm You've got me revved up, ready to go. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for the rest of my day because I've got a little bit of a Jules hit now. There you go. And um, <laughs> yeah, well, where can people find you? You were talking about your email. Sure. I know you're taking a social media break, but I would love if they would give you a follow. Yeah. Where can people reach you? Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is hardware pastries, uh, you know, which has a fun story. Um, my, I'll tell that story to you real quick. So my, my, Please. my dad growing up, you know, <laughs> I have three older brothers and they're super great and I love them dearly. Uh, but you know, I was the only girl. And so I had to have some, like, you know, some time for myself with the parents, you know? So, um, on Saturdays and Sundays, one of those days out of the weekends when my dad was home, he would tell my mom that we were going to the hardware store. And it just so happened that the hardware store was next to the, like the donut shop. So my mom had to go and return whatever we bought at the hardware store every Monday because we didn't actually need anything. We just wanted to go get donuts. So that's amazing. So <laughs> that's where hardware pastries come from. My dad and I still go to the hardware store every now and again. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can find me at hardware pastries um, on Instagram. And while I'm taking the break, my email is attached to it, but um, it's just julesstoddart13 at gmail.com. So you can find it all there on the social medias because that's probably the easiest. Uh, I cannot wait for you to get some hopefully amazing questions and probably a couple insane questions. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and filter filter as you need to. Um, Jules Stoddart, amazing superstar pastry chef slash managing partner of Little Ola's. Thank you so much for being on Sick Palette. And I will talk to you soon. Let's get a drink very soon. Cannot wait. We'll chat soon. <laughs>
All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. <laughs>